Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Burn, Nick, and I am flying solo today. Jeff is, uh, he's just too busy. He's just... It's too busy today. I, I don't know. But it's a gorgeous day here in the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios under uh, my carport in my driveway um, where I have taken down the tent. Tent season is officially over. Um, I'm able to sit outside and enjoy the day. Um, it's been very nice in St. Louis. We've been getting some very good temperatures. And even at night, it's been in the uh, mid to maybe lower 50s at the most. So, you know, it's still warm enough that I can sit outside and have my cigars. So, Anyway, speaking of having a cigar, we're going to jump right into it. And today, I am going to be smoking the El Wawense Wise Man from uh, Foundation Cigars. Um, this cigar features... Hang on, let me bring up the information here. thought I had it brought up. I didn't. Features a Corojo 99 Jalapa wrapper, Criollo 99 Jalapa binder, and... Um, I'm sorry... Corojo 99 Jalapa binder as well. And then Criojo 99. Oh my God, I'm butchering this. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, this has been a day, guys, and I'm going to get into it in a minute. So this isn't helping. Anyway, Corojo 99 Jalapa wrapper, Corojo 99 Jalapa binder, and filler made up of Corojo 99 and Criollo 98. And it, I am smoking the 6x56, um, it's it's essentially the Toro size. So I'm going to go ahead and get mine out of the cellophane here. And um, it was not trapped in there, Jeff. Look at that. Nice and easy to get out of there. So I'm going to go ahead and get my cigar cut. And the official cutting is brought to you by Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company. Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. Guys, he's got all kinds of great cigars that you're going to want to get your hands on. Um, some nice exclusive stuff that you don't see very many places as well as some just absolutely wonderful stuff that you want to make sure you, you, you keep stocked in your humidor. So um, when you're in the Crestwood, Missouri area, make sure you swing by Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company. Or if you're not in the Crestwood area, but you still want to support a great brick and mortar shop, he does do mail order. Or if let's say you maybe you don't have a brick and mortar shop near you, Dan can be yours. So just give him a call there at the shop at Riverman Cigar Company, and they'd be happy to give you a little walk around, virtual walk around the humidor, and tell you what's in stock, and you can put together a nice little box and have that shipped off to you right away. So that's Riverman Cigar Company, Crestwood, Missouri. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and cut my cigar. So this episode, I am going to do a little bit of a listener request. Um, we have had a listener on YouTube. His name is Paul. And Paul has requested that we do a newspaper episode. Um, basically something with it gives a little bit more detail into what Jeff and I do in our, um, you know, real professions a little bit, kind of really dive into, you know, the newspapers that we own. And while I can't speak to Jeff, I will be able to very easily speak to my business and my newspaper, and I'd be happy to. And I figured this would be a good topic for me to touch on, on an episode that Jeff is not with us, given the fact that, well, quite frankly, He's not with us, and so it gives me something that I can be very knowledgeable about and talk about. So, um, that's what I'm going to be doing. But first, I'm going to go ahead 
and get my cigar going here so that I have that while I discuss my new paper. So I'm going to do a cold draw. Hmm. There's a little bit of baking spice and a little bit of um, just spice spice and um, some earthiness to the cold draw on the uh, El Wense Wise Man. But I'm not jacking around. I want to get the cigar going here. So get this guy light lit up here. There's a little bit of a cross breeze here in uh, in my little recording area. I appreciate you guys being patient with the fact that I can't talk while I light my cigar. Um, <laughs> kind of the bitch of doing this by myself, but it just kind of kind of came together that way this week. And um, I don't know. I was I was. It, it, it sounds stupid, but I was too lazy to put together a uh, rewind episode for today because, quite frankly, I mean, that is more of a pain in the ass than you realize because you got to go through the old ones to find one that's that's decent and, you know, cut anything that's not relevant anymore, like if we were doing a contest or something like that. It's it's just it's a pain in the ass. But anyway, so um, now that I have the cigar lit up, I'm going to give it a off-the-light retro hail here. Yes, uh, shit <coughs> uh, <coughs> okay oh my god well um oh my god so yeah there's definitely some strong oh jeebus peppery notes mm. right off the uh the light there on the retro hail um yeah that was oh that was good i mean if that's what you're looking for Woo, that cleared the sinuses. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, yeah. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the topic of the day. So for those of you who know, um, Jeff and I both own newspapers. Okay, so we had a slight little technical thing happen there because why wouldn't I? You know, it's not like I'm just dealing with all kinds of bullshit today. So anyway, I think I'm back on the air, so... Here we go. Um, no, what I was about to say is, why don't I go ahead, get into the history of my newspaper a little bit, and uh, then we'll go from there. So I uh, I went to school, and I got my degree in journalism uh, from Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. And after getting out of school, I worked at a couple of different weekly newspapers for a period of time, and kind of, you know understood, got to know that industry. Uh, I did a year's worth of broadcast news for an AM radio station in Alton, Illinois. Uh, I was the weekend guy that would come on at the top and bottom of the hour and be like, it's time for the news on blah, 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 you know, and all that. So I did that for um, a year on the weekends. And then um, I took a little bit of time away from actual newspaper work, and I did press and communications for the Illinois House. And that was a difficult job, making Illinois politicians look good. But that's neither here nor there. Um, it was during that period of time, it probably would have been about 2012, 
that uh, I was ready to um, I was ready to move on. There was just there were there were a lot of reasons why that job was um, not not fulfilling anymore after 2012. Um, and so a friend of mine and I we started talking and my friend. He thought it would be cool to own a newspaper. He he kind of gets into a lot of different businesses. He thought it would be cool to own a newspaper, and he talked to me about it. And while I didn't really have the cash to jump in on it, um, you know, I was I was interested in participating through Sweat Equity. You know, essentially, I would be the run one running it and doing it. He would just be the financial backing, you know, initially and all that kind of thing. Well, we looked at a couple of newspapers that were for sale, and it just didn't work out. One that we thought was for sale ended up getting sold to somebody else, um, and then another one that was for sale wanted like a half million dollars for his paper, and it was just it was outrageous and not feasible. And it was actually during that period of time that I met Jeff. Um, there was another party that was kind of involved. He ended up falling away, and I won't get into all that. But uh, he knew Jeff um, through some business dealings of his own, and he brought Jeff into the picture as kind of a um, kind of a consultant, for lack of a better term. You know, Jeff would come in and kind of talk to you know my friend and I about doing this, and um, that that's how I met that's how I met Jeff. Um, but it was also during that period of time that Jeff kind of said to us, he said, you know, look if you guys don't want to buy a newspaper, it doesn't take much to start one. All you really need is a, a, a laptop, you need a camera, and you need to find a printer that's that you can work with that'll take on the contract and we'll print you guys every week. Um, he said that the biggest part of it, the biggest problem that you're going to deal with and the biggest thing that's that's the most important is finding a community that actually cares. You know, you got to find a community that, that, has, that wants buy-in because if, if you're doing this, but nobody's reading it and nobody's supporting it through advertising, then you're never going to get anywhere. And so we kind of put it on the back burner there for a while. And in April of 2014, I was a budget cut at the state of Illinois. And so I started looking for work. And that continued for um, the better part of 2014. Um, it was not a great job market at the time. And... Sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to try and keep my cigar going. So you guys are going to have to bear with me uh, when I take puffs on the cigar. Um, it was not a great job market. And so I was struggling to uh, to find work. And it was in January of 2015 that I was talking with my friend. And he was asking how the job search is going. And I told him, look, it, it, it's really sucking. I'm not getting any bites. You know, this sucks. And he's like, you know, I think I still think we need to start a newspaper. And I gave him the laundry list of why it's not a good idea. I, I told him all the reasons why that it's just not going to work. I, you know, why it's going to be too hard. Why it's just not something we want to jump into. And um, it, what it boiled down to is after I did that, he he said to me, he said, uh, I think you're just being a chicken shit. And it was kind of that back to the future moment, you know, that whole nobody calls me chicken, you know, that that deal. And I I thought about it for a split second. And I said, fine, fuck it. When are we doing this? And 
we established a launch date right then and there on the phone, and we were doing it. And so April 29th of 2015, uh, the first edition of the O'Fallon Weekly came out. We picked O'Fallon, Illinois, because while they already technically had a newspaper, it was a subsidiary of a larger daily paper in the area. Um, and this larger daily paper really watered down the product really, really bad and had kind of shanked it. And O'Fallon's one of those towns that, while I love it, um, like a lot of towns like that I've encountered, uh, they think they're the center of the universe. And so uh, if you're not treating them as such, they get upset. And in this case, their product had been watered down and they were upset about it. And so it gave us an opportunity to come in and compete. And we did. And um, the first issue that we put out had one paid advertisement in it. Um, the second edition that we put out had six. We needed that that proof of concept. We needed that first issue in order to uh, show, you know, kind of how, how it went. And um, so early on uh, with it, it was, it truly was, I, w- I would say it was a two-man show because early on my, my partner at the time, he um, he handled a lot of the ad sales and he did a lot of the business side of things, whereas I was going out and I covered everything. Um, I learned how to do InDesign from Jeff in a three-hour crash course at his house, I should say his ex-wife's house, um, on a on a Sunday prior to the day that I had to lay out the newspaper. Um, so, you know, it was one of those things where it, it was, it was very fly by the, by the seat of your pants in the beginning there. And um, I mean, I covered everything I could possibly cover. I was, I was all over the place and um, I learned very early on. Oop, what's going on with my microphone here? Um, Anyway, I learned very early on that, uh, boy, I hope this is working. Anyway, um, sorry, my microphone is kind of cutting in. I don't know if it's my microphone or if it's my headset, but something's kind of cutting in and out, and it's it's sounding weird to me. So hopefully this works for you guys. Um, I learned very early on that my schedule is not my own, and um, what I mean by that is I was building my schedule entirely around the schedule of everybody else and what was going on. So if there was a a council meeting, I was at that. If there was a a fundraiser, I was at that taking pictures. If there was a sporting event, I was at that taking pictures. If it was, you know, whatever it happened to be, I was there doing what I needed to do. And so my life had to fit in the cracks of what, of, of everything that wasn't full from stuff taking place. And that I will admit became, frustrating my god i hope this is working frustrating over time um and you know just being completely honest i believe it did add a little bit of stress in the home life um you know it's just one of those things jeff can attest to it if he were here he would attest to it that it it definitely doesn't help with a uh, a happy happy marriage and ha- happy home life um what that was how it went. Now, side note, um, I launched the paper in April of 2015. By September of 2015, my um, 
now ex-wife informed me that she was pregnant with our son. And so I had a lot going on in that very first year of the newspaper. And by February of 2016, my partner and I decided that, let me back up. We were a free rack and stack paper. And what that means is it's a free paper that was available at a variety of locations around town. And if you wanted it, you just went and you picked up a copy. Um, I'm sure a lot of your towns probably have things similar to that. Typically, they tend to be more entertainment-focused publications. Um, but uh, this one, you know, was actual news. And so, you know, we were we were doing well with that. The problem that we ran into was advertisers would ask us what our circulation was. And the best I could ever tell them was, well, I put out 2,000 copies onto the streets. And when I went and picked them all up the next week and put out the next round of 2,000 copies, um, I only picked up 800 copies. So we had a circulation of 1,200. I'm, I'm making numbers up, you know, but you get my point. I could tell them how many copies I picked up and thus how many copies were picked up by other people. But I don't know if people were picking them to, up to read them, if they were needing them for packing materials. Maybe they were moving and they needed stuff to pack into the boxes um, because there are I, – I will freely admit that I've taken um, uh, other publications and uh, gone to the grocery store, taken a stack of other publications and wrapped up my dishes uh, when it was time to move with those and that sort of thing. So it, it wouldn't surprise me in the least to find out that some of my papers went to that. And so anyway, um, we decided in February of 2016, we needed to switch to a subscriber-based model. We needed both the hard data that we could give to advertisers, but we also needed um, stable revenue from subscribers. You know, that, that, that reoccurring revenue coming in every year from subscribers. And because we also had people that wanted it mailed to them, and I, and I understand which then opened up the giant headache that is dealing with the United States Postal Service. And it is a giant, giant pain in the ass to deal with the mail, um, especially with this. And I've got all kinds of stories with that that I'm not going to get into because I don't really want to like completely you know, nuke the post office. But it, it was because I still deal with some of these people. But um, it, was, it was less than thrilling there in the first six months of dealing with the post office. Um, but over the uh, course of my God, what is? I don't know if it's my earpiece or I don't know what it is, but it keeps kind of cutting out. I'm sorry, guys. This is just this is a shit show of an episode. I'm just gonna put that out there right now. Um. Anyway, uh, over the course of that first year, a lot of a lot of things took place, like. We like I said, we we switched to a subscriber model. Um, we brought on our first reporter, and uh, she helped out with uh, some some coverage for me. Um, we also it would have been probably more like May of 2016, so just shy of or just over the first year, uh, we brought on some college interns. One of which um, is a guy named Sam. Sam was with me for a number of years, and he was a sports reporter. And Sam has, um, he, he was with me, like I said, for a number of years. He got a job in Ohio, I believe it was, after he left me uh, working for a newspaper. And he has since moved on, and 
he's doing big shit. I mean, he he's you know covering um, major league sports now, and he's 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 going to bowl games and professional sporting games, and you know he got to interview Dusty Baker, and that you know he pointed out that that was a a huge thing for him because um, he was a big Cubs fan, and so um, you know I'm I'm really happy that. I'm looking at this kid that, you know, he started off covering O'Fallon High School, you know, sports for me and went on and is doing something that he wants to do and making a living at it. And it's, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of where things have gone. Um, you know, dealing with, uh, with employees. Um, so the way it works for me with staffing is, when I had, so we opened an office about a year in, we got an office space and we had that until, uh, COVID. Um, we did get rid of the office during, um, God, we got rid of the office during COVID, um, so that, uh, we could, uh, as a cost saving measure and it, uh, it was good. You know, it was good to, to go ahead and do that. Um, we, it was nice having the office though, because it gave that sense of camaraderie. It gave it that sense of, uh, of team, you know, unification because we were all hanging in the same space and doing what needed to be done. And it was, it was beneficial. I feel to have that, but, um, you know, I mean, budgets are what budgets are and you got to do what you got to do. And, you got to make things work. And so in this case, when COVID hit, we had to get rid of the office. But um, when I had an office, uh, I bring all that to say that when I had an office, I had one uh, actual employee. Um, she was my office manager. And then we had the reporters. And the reporters were all independent contractors. And they still are independent contractors. They're paid by the story. The way it works is when they are initially brought on to the paper staff, um, there is a beat that is assigned to them, and basically that's that's what I'm bringing them on for. In addition to that, um, if they come up with story ideas throughout the week that they think would be interesting, they will pitch that to me, and I will say yes or no. Um, and then if something comes along that you know, I need them to cover or I would like them to cover. I will pitch it to them. They have the ability to tell me yes or no, because as it is with a, with a 1099, I can't really direct them. You know, the only thing that I can say is I'm bringing you on to cover city council. So you're going to go and cover city council above and beyond that. It's negotiable, you know, between us. And so I pay them a flat rate per story. Um, and the way that works is if it's a thousand words, it's that rate. But if it's like a hundred words and a photo, it's that rate. And it, it kind of balances out in the long run because of that. Um, what else? I have my notes here of things that uh, I wanted to touch on. Um, so prior to COVID, the uh, the growth of the newspaper was good. You know, we we consistently saw subscriber growth. We saw advertising growth. And things were, were chugging along pretty well to where by 2019, uh, I mean, 2019, looking back, was I, I think 2019 was our best year. I mean, I'd have, I don't have the numbers in front of me to actually say that for certain, but 
I feel like 2019 was our best year. Um, because I do feel as though we were billing out more in advertising that year than, uh, than we probably ever have. Um, and what was interesting is prior to COVID, it was three to one, um, subscriber wise, three to one print to digital. So, you know, we were mailing out however many copies and then, you know, we had a quarter of that, that we were, um, or I should say a third of that, that we were emailing digital copies to, um, during COVID, that switched. During COVID, it became, you know, three to one digital to print. Uh, a lot of people switched to digital, and I'll admit uh, that was clunky. Um, our website was not designed properly for digital. Um, I only got that resolved in November of last year, and that was a giant pain in my ass. But I did it, mm. and I do believe the product is better. Um, from a digital standpoint at this point, um, <coughs> um, the, uh, prints is definitely down as of now versus what it was. I'm printing about 500 copies. Um, however, there are reasons to retain the print and we're getting into the, the real nitty gritty minutia, but there's something called legal notices. Um, that run in newspapers. A lot of times it's court notices. Sometimes it's notices that local governments have to run, school boards have to run, things of that nature, tax assessments, stuff like that. And it's all stuff that's regulated by law. They have to run it in a newspaper of general circulation. And, you know, they, they, they must verify that it was, that it was printed. Well, anyway, the, uh, the, um, Sorry, my headset just decided to come back. Um, the legal notices are really the only reason to keep printing right now. Um, it's it's one of those deals where for every one of my print subscribers, I charge $55 for the year for home delivery for the prints. And when you break down the math on that, I am actually losing um, about $20 per subscriber that's thus made up through advertising revenue. Um, whereas on the digital side, I charge $36 a year for digital delivery. And, you know, that's a, a great profit on that side. Um, and so would I like to go all digital? Yes. But by going all digital, I can no longer print legal notices, and that does produce revenue. Uh, four times, or I should say once every four years is the uh, big assessment, ta- uh, property assessment in my area. And last year was that assessment, and that was a $12,000 legal notice for me. So, you know, that was a that was a big bump of money right there that, um, that came in. So you know, that I would not have been able to capture had I given up the print. So needless to say, the print does still serve a purpose. There's going to come a time where the loss is greater than the gain, and that's when hard decisions need to be made. I personally very much love the print. I would hate to see the print go. Um, You know, for me, I find that if it's a magazine, if it's a print magazine versus a digital version of that magazine, I'm much more likely to read the print version than I am the digital. Uh, I hate staring at a screen all day long. I absolutely hate it. Uh, I don't retain information 
as well when I'm reading off of a screen versus when I'm reading off of a piece of paper. Um, I like to be able to sit outside on my patio and enjoy, you know, um, a book or a magazine or something like that as I'm having my cigar and, and a drink. And I, I don't like doing that on a screen because, um, A, the sunlight might reflect weird and I might not be able to see the screen. B, the battery drains. C, um, more importantly, it's, it's distraction. You know, I get tons of alerts on my phone or iPad, you know, telling me this app needs me to take care of this or this app wants me to do this or this app is communicating with me because of this. And so I'm constantly being distracted and pulled away from the item that I'm reading. And so I don't, I don't like reading on a digital platform. Um, it's just one of those things that, that it's a personal preference. So it would be sad for me to see the print go. Um, what else here? What else do we need to touch on here? Um, during COVID, obviously I had a lot of advertising dry up, um, that, that hurt. Um, I would say that there were a few things that helped out. PPP money helped out quite a bit. Um, I unfortunately was not able to capture all that terribly much because again, I only had one actual employee. The rest were 1099s. Um, and then that employee decided that because, uh, she was getting, uh, $1,500 a month because she had five kids at home and the government was paying her that because she had five kids, she was going to quit. That was in July of 21. So for those of you with kids, if you remember, right, you got money every month because you had kids. Um, she decided to quit and I think it was just an excuse, but whatever. Um, anyway, so I haven't really had an employee since July of 21, which is nice because on a business side or on a, uh, looking at it from a business side, I don't have to pay unemployment tax. I'm not doing any of that. You know, there's a lot of expenses that are taking off the table by getting rid of an employee and just having 1099s. It does pose issues if I want to have an employee or any sort of an admin. And, and that's part of my issue is that I'm horrible at the administrative stuff. I'm horrible at the administrative stuff. The uh, subscriber maintenance, the billing, the, you know, the AR, just, you know, accounts receivable. Um, there's all kinds of different things that, that need to be done that I'm just really not great at managing. And um, that has posed a bit of an issue for me. Um, but it's stuff that I'm dealing with. Oh, ow. Mm. We'll get into advertising challenges. Um, so, obviously, prior to COVID, it, there were advertising challenges. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of times people are like, oh, newspapers are dying. The big dailies in the big cities are not doing well. Um, weekly community newspapers like mine, like Jeff's, we're doing fine. And you know why? Because we're covering stuff that nobody else is covering. You can't go on Google and find out um, how, uh, what, uh, wh who the student of the month was at the elementary school or how the junior high school basketball team did. I mean, you might be able to suss it out through social media, but it's going to take you a while and you're going to get bored and not to do it. And so it's that kind of basic information that we provide that, you know, um, bigger papers just aren't. And so, so we're seeing, you know, still, still interest in us. Um, 
the problem is convincing advertisers that there's still interest in us. And advertisers have been spoiled by social media being able to give them metrics and data as to how many clicks and how many views and how many follow-throughs and sales resulted from X ad and whatever else. And admittedly, newspapers are more of a shotgun effect. You put it out in the world and you hope that um, you get a return. Um, when you do a mass mailer, for example, if you when you get when you guys get your your junk mail and um, there's a postcard in there for like the car wash that just opened or something like that, that car wash is expecting at most maybe a one to two percent return on that mass mailer. Um, you know, you don't you don't expect a ton of return by doing that kind of shotgun effect, but. The thing with marketing that that everybody needs to keep in mind is that um, you have to do what's called so many like touches. And what I mean by that is that car wash needs to find a way to put themselves in front of you seven different times. The 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 science is uh, I mean that even may be old numbers. I've heard that it's even more now. Um, but but when we started the newspaper. <clears throat> Excuse me. The science said seven different times where you had to see the mass mailer in the in the mail. You had to see a TV commercial. You had to hear a radio commercial. You had to see a billboard. You needed to see ads on Facebook, a newspaper ad, and maybe you needed to see um, uh, balloons and a giant inflatable tube man out in front of that car wash when you drove by it. Something like that. Something that drew your attention. You needed to encounter that car wash seven different ways over the course of a period of time in order for it to get into your head, hey, I need a car wash and maybe I'll go try out that new car wash or whatever business it happens to be. And so part of the the struggle that I've been dealing with is convincing these businesses that you can't put all your eggs in the Facebook basket. You can't put all your eggs into, you know, the online social media basket because you're only hitting this much of your audience and you're, you're doing so in a way that it only hits them one way. You need to diversify up your marketing. Um, marketing firms are a giant pain in my ass. Um, they consistently make things difficult. They're always asking for discounts. And the thing is my prices on advertising are already very reasonable and, um, you know, I've come up with those. I've sat and done some hard math to come up with those prices in order to make them reasonable. And I don't have a lot of fat in them. You know, they they it's not like I'm sitting back just raking in tons of profit off of a quarter page ad. And so when they come along and they're demanding a discount on this or that or whatever, you know, it 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 gets very difficult. Um, and so. It's just a, it's a constant struggle. It's a constant struggle of trying to convince people that you're relevant, convince people that they should be doing business with you, and convince people that um, that you can provide um, something worthwhile for them as a business. And it's uh, it's not been easy, and it's definitely not been easy post COVID. Um, I feel like in a post COVID world the marketing dollars have been just that much more difficult to come by 
uh, I think everybody got used to doing social media through COVID because everybody was at home. You know, it was a very easy situation. Everybody was all online and dealing with it. And so it, 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 it became a very easy situation for them to, uh, to just, you know, uh, throw all the eggs in that basket and forget about everybody else. And, um, it's, it's not been, it's not been easy, but, uh, on the plus side, I've seen a little bit of a bounce back. Um, uh, the, the local elections were very helpful for me this past spring. Um, you know, there's been a few other things that have been a bit of a bounce back and, you know, I just, uh, I, I guess what it boils down to is we're making it work as best we can. Um, so that covers that. Um, covers. Um, so I guess the last thing that I'll touch on here um, to answer Paul's question, and hopefully this hasn't been boring for everybody. I mean, I feel like I've just been rattling on and on and on about um, the business and all that. Um, in terms of big stories that we've worked on, um, so I'll freely admit that Jeff has got a lot more of a uh, impressive rap sheet in terms of stories that he's worked on. Um, his uh, community down there that he has his newspapers in, um, evidently people like to just be very, very ignorant um down there and so and he and he's very quick to cover it um i'm a little bit more sensitive to that and i don't get into a lot of the it's not that i don't pursue it i just it i I don't know if my politicians are just a little bit more on the up and up or if they're just better at hiding it or what the deal is but um I don't, I haven't really encountered any massive corruption issues, whereas it seems like Jeff is tripping over them all the time. So there's going to, I would assume there's going to be a follow-up episode to this where Jeff kind of gets into the nitty gritty of his businesses. But one situation that we did have that did get some attention and it did, it was quite a bit of a thing is um, I dealt with a school board in my area. So there was a school board that, or a school where um, a junior high school teacher, I believe she had a couple of mixed race students in her class and she decided that it would be a good idea to call them slave one and slave two and tell them to do things for her. And when another student who was a white student, you know, the example that was given was that she told slave one to go get her coat because she was cold. Well, slave, you know, this white student said, Oh, I'll get your coat for you teacher. And she goes, no, I told, I told slave one to get my te- my coat. And so, you know, it was it was very obviously not a cool situation. So the parents got upset. They came to us and talked about it. And we said, look, you got to go to the school board. We'll go to the school board meeting and we'll cover it, blah, blah, blah. So we went to the school board meeting. School board took them into executive session because the school board said you can't talk about individual kids in the in the public part of the meeting. That's bullshit. The school board can't talk about individual kids, but the parents have every right to talk about their kids to the school board in public. But be that as it may, they went to executive session, which is behind closed doors. And, uh, you know, it kind of went from there for a little while. Eventually the teacher, uh, there, we, we kind of reported on it to, to the degree we could. Um, they did end up doing a, um, what they call a, uh, 
resolution to remedy. And what that is, basically, it's, it's, a, it's the punishment that they're dealing out to the teacher. And they, um, they didn't read that out in public. They just voted on it and approved it. So those are public documents. And, and Jeff actually covered this meeting for me. And Jeff, um, after the meeting, was like, I'd like a copy of that resolution. And they said no. So he took the agenda, flipped it over, and wrote out the FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request, right there on the back of the agenda and slid it across and said, I want that, that, that you know, resolution. Because, you know, again, it was not theirs to keep private. And this is something I do want to point out. So there's two two laws that Jeff and I are very conscious of and always watching, um, you know, how these people are act or keeping within it. There's the Freedom of Information Act where we as the, as the media and you as the public have every right to request information from your units of government. You have every right to get um, uh, various documents and there are laws and rules about how quickly and in what manner they can get that information to you. Um, in this case, and it's not a very special thing. It's not like there's a, a template of how to request that. You can literally get a cocktail napkin and say, under the Illinois Freedom of Information Act, I request blah, 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 sign it and date it and give it to them. And that is your request. And they have at that point five business days to respond if they have the ability to get to request an extension for an additional five business days. And they typically always do. So after 10 business days, then they have to give it to you or tell you why they're denying it. In this case, um, they got it to us. We published this. But it all kind of went from there. I And I'm, and I'm not going to lie. This is probably five years ago that this all went down. So I'm trying desperately to remember all the details. But the long and short of it is this went on for quite some time. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, of us reporting on this, reporting on how the school was trying to like give her a slap on the wrist and all this. And we kept digging into it. And a lot of our requests, FOIA requests, were denied. Um, additionally, there were there's the Open Meetings Act. The Open Meetings Act says what government bodies can talk about in private and what they have to talk about in public. And we had reason to believe that there were some violations of the Open Meetings Act and various things like that. So we went to the, you know, we, we filed, you know, requests and things like that. Um, the long and short of it is I kept having to fight with the school board to the point that we ended up having to go to the Illinois Attorney General's office quite a few times to um, get them to mediate and to step in and force the school district to give us the information that we were requesting. And I'm proud to say that we actually have a perfect record with the Illinois Attorney General's office that, yes, we won every single one of our appeals. Um, this school district had to give us everything, including security footage of the assistant superintendent at the time escorting the teacher off the premises of the school when they were getting ready to ultimately fire her. They did ultimately fire this teacher because of the fact that we dogged him so much on it. And... Um, which is what should have happened. No, no, no junior high kids should be called slave one and slave two just because, you know, mom is white and dad is black. And, and that's 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 bullshit. And so we uh, we dogged him to the point that the school district ended up uh, ended up firing the teacher. Uh, the superintendent ended up leaving and getting another job up in Chicago. 
Um, and the school board president hates me to this day. Um, the uh, school board president, we uh, we did a story about the parents ended up filing a lawsuit after all this was over because, oh, let me back up. So while all this is going on with the kids, the dad of one of the kids uh, was the basketball coach at the school and all the other coaches contracts came up for renewal, including his. And he was the only one to not have his contract renewed. Um, Meanwhile, he was awarded coach of the year from the Illinois junior high school sports association, whatever. So like he's coach of the year, but you're not going to renew his contract. Why is that? Oh, it's because his kid is, you know, involved in this thing and, and you know, they're pissed at you. Additionally, his wife, the kid's mom, uh, worked for the company that provided cafeteria services for the school school board president unilaterally decided she was going to send a letter to the company uh, telling them, we don't want this woman working in our school anymore. You need to remove her. So they, they essentially basically went to her and said like, you don't have a job anymore. Um, and so there was retaliation going on. So we had to FOIA for, for that letter um, that ended up going to the uh, to Illinois attorney general's office. We were e- foying for any emails related to the coach's contract and things like that. I mean, there, it was all kinds of just stuff going on there for a while. It was a constant thing with that school district. And uh, anyway, like I said, it all kind of ultimately came out. Uh, the, the parents did uh, file a lawsuit against the school after it was all said done. Um, we reported on that as well and the allegations within the lawsuit. The parents were not happy we reported on that lawsuit. Um, I think they wanted to be able to get their get their um, their 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 money uh, in a more private manner. But uh, my feeling on that is, you came to us with this story, and you wanted us to pursue this, and we did, and we've given you through our reporting the basis for your lawsuit. And um, on top of that. Uh, where do you think the money is going to come from when you when you win this lawsuit? It's going to come from taxpayer you know pockets because ultimately the school district is going to use taxpayer money in order to pay this lawsuit settlement, which I they did settle um, and pay this lawsuit settlement off. And so ultimately, you know that's that's still tracking taxpayer dollars and where it's going. And anyway. The long and short of it, that was that was probably our biggest thing. We were actually written up. There's an article in the Columbia Journalism Review. If you search, if you do a Google search uh, for Columbia Journalism Review, O'Fallon Weekly, um, you should be able to find it. And, uh, you know, it's a nice article about the efforts that my reporter and I put in to um, seeing this through. Um, Jeff is included in that article because, you know, he knew the lady who wrote the article and she had to like, you know, give him a compliment and call him the FOIA guru. And I haven't heard the end of that from him since then, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but anyway, it, it, it was, it was good. It was one of those opportunities where, you know, it showcased the fact that we did something good. Um, and, and, you know, pursued something, pursued the, the right kind of, of, of justice in the world. And I was happy with that, but Anyway, that's uh, that's one of our big stories. So, um, I am uh, <laughs> I am still smoking this Eluense, 
wise man from Foundation. Um, the uh, cigar, I mean, it's a great cigar. It's smoking really well. Uh, you know, I wish I wouldn't have had to relight it a number of times, but uh, that's what happens when you're talking like this. The uh, wind coming through. The wind coming through has not really affected the burn line all that much. It's been nice and tight. Um, the uh, the smoke production on it when it when it's actually up and going is really good. It's a nice medium bodied cigar, and uh, I really like it. I really like the cigars that Nick Melillo is putting out over there at, at Foundation, and um, I need to. Uh, it's one of those ones where I don't smoke them very frequently just because of ease of access. Uh, for me here in the St. Louis area, but when I do get a hold of one, I always really enjoy it. Um, so now that we've done that, uh, I guess we can go ahead and I'll do the uh, the Villiger Entertainment Report. Um, it's just me, so you, you know you don't get Jeff. At some point, I'm going to make a drop for it. And um, anyway, Villiger cigars, uh, guys. If you haven't tried Villiger cigars, get on their website, find the store locator, find a store near you that carries Villiger cigars and do yourself a favor and have one. I had the Villiger de Nicaragua out here on my patio the other day when it was gorgeous outside. I think that was Tuesday. I believe it was Tuesday and uh, fantastic cigar. You guys, if you haven't had a Villiger, you're missing out. That's what it boils down to. So do yourself a favor and try it. And if you're curious about Villiger and you maybe just don't want to spend the money, all you got to do is come up with a wacky good phone call and call in to ask the boys, uh, area code 863-874-0000, call into the hotline, leave a really badass message with a good question that's going to prompt a lot of conversation, and uh, maybe you'll win our contest this month where we are giving away three Villiger cigars and a three-finger leather cigar case um, from Villiger that, um, you know, is going to be awarded to the person that has the best phone call of the month. So call the hotline, leave a really badass message, and you might be able to get some Villager cigars that you can give them a try. So um, in terms of what I've been watching lately, I um, I got a chance the other day to watch um, that Nicolas Cage movie, the uh, uh, unbearable, what is it? Oh, God. Um I really should have probably looked this up um, before I mentioned this, but uh, it's a it's in the most recent one. It's um, the unbearable weight of massive talent. It's the one that he did in two thousand two with uh, Pedro Pascal, um, where basically he plays kind of a goofy version of himself, and um, it it was very meta, but. It was actually a really entertaining movie, and I'm kind of hoping that it did some good for uh, for uh, Nicolas Cage because I know he's had a bit of a rough go from time to time. Ah, damn it! Cigar went out. It was an entertaining movie. Um, I liked it. So if you haven't checked that out, do so. Um, what else? Jeff is watching Picard season three. He called me about that earlier today. He tells me that. You know, the nine, uh, I guess there's one more episode to go. And um, he's like, 
telling me that I need to make sure I get caught up before the next time he's on so that he can talk about it with me. That is not going to happen. So, um, yeah, Jeff, you you got to keep the spoilers to yourself for a little while longer. But I will say, once that is all completed, I do plan on binging through that. Um, what else have I watched lately? Um, I really haven't had a moment to watch too much. That that the Nicolas Cage movie was my big thing. Um, so I'd say if you have a moment to do that, I believe it's on Paramount Plus, and maybe on Stars, one or the other. Um, you know, you can uh, you can check that out, and uh, it was entertaining. I liked it. It was it was a good movie, and uh, it it held my interest. Um, and it was just the right amount of goofy. And of course, there's the meme where you know it, you, I'm sure you've seen it with Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal, where Pedro Pascal's got that goofy ass look on his face. And uh, now I know they were on LSD when they did that. So I mean, probably not in real life, but you know what I mean in the movie. So. Nice and entertaining. Um, anyway, that's been the uh, Villiger Entertainment Report. Um, in terms of this... We all need to live united, but one must go. Brought to you by United Cigars, makers of La Giana Havana, Abuelo, Red Anchor, Firecracker, and of course, United Cigars. Distributors of Jose Dominguez, Garofalo, Montoza and Terra Nova and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and Bandolero. Buy United, Smoke United, Live United, United Cigars. So in terms of the one must go, um, since I'm by myself, it's a little boring. But uh, I figured um, I would go ahead and uh, do this. Now, um, since we were talking about um, our newspapers and things of that nature... I figured that uh, it might be um, interesting to discuss uh, social media platforms and the ones that uh, are the most beneficial to us in the news and um, the ones that that we actually you know may use or benefit from. Um, personally, I don't really use many of them for my newspaper because, quite frankly, I don't like. Um, I don't give away my content for free. I have a paywall on my website, you know, and everything. And um, I also don't like giving them the content for their sites because ultimately they're they're like Facebook. They just they take and take and take. But anyway, whatever. Um, so I'm going to use the platforms that my newspaper is on, which is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and I'm not looking at it in terms of which platform I like. I'm looking at it in terms of which platform benefits my newspaper the best, and I'll explain why. So on Facebook, um, I have the largest audience um, of those three platforms. Um, it's it's a good platform for me to share links, share information, and um, that sort of thing. Um, it's, it, it's, not, it's not my favorite platform, but it's probably the best platform for me to use. Um, Twitter, I rarely, rarely use Twitter for much of anything personal or professional. Um, however, that doesn't necessarily make it a bad platform for my newspaper because, again, I can share links, I can do all that sort of thing on there. Instagram 
due to the fact that you have to have a photo or a video with every post. And um, you don't necessarily have the ability to share links. While I personally like Instagram the best, from a business standpoint, um, in terms of from a news sharing standpoint, um, Instagram is probably my least favorite from a business standpoint, and it's probably the one that I'm going to cut um, if I were looking at um, social media platforms for my newspaper. It's uh, it's just it it's it's good for sharing pretty pictures. It's good for sharing like reels and things of that nature. But in terms of driving traffic to my website and hopefully getting people to go ahead and sign up for that $3.99 a month subscription just so they, because it's only 4 bucks, they can sign up and they can see the uh, the, ad, or the, the article they want to see. Um, Instagram is probably the, the, the least beneficial for me in terms of that um, of the three. So for me, in terms of my newspaper and using social media to promote it, Instagram is the one that must go. The One Must Go segment was brought to you by United Cigars. United, we smoke. So, I um, guess this is the time that I will go ahead and jump into this. This would normally be the time that I give some information about my monthly cigars, but I've hired that out this week, so take it away. My Monthly Cigars is a premium cigar subscription service. It comes in a variety of different size boxes at affordable prices. Use offer code PULPIT and get free shipping on your first box and 20% off any items in the online store at MyMonthlyCigars.com. That's offer code PULPIT. Thanks. Thanks. Guys, we are available on Instagram at the Cigar Pulpit as well as at Naked Gator, N E K K I D Gator. That's his page. We're available on Facebook where we have the Cigar Pulpit Parishioners Group. That's a good time. You're going to want to get in on that. Um, everybody seems to have a nice, fun time beating the hell out of each other there. Um, Twitter, where again, I don't do much of anything on Twitter. Uh, I have spaces, but I don't really do much of anything on it. Uh, YouTube, where you can watch this. This one, admittedly, is kind of boring because it's just me. Uh, and then, guys, again, we do need your calls for the Ask the Boys episode, which will be later this month. Uh, area code 863-874-0000. Get your calls, questions, concerns in, and let us know what you're thinking, what you're wondering about. And, again, the best call of the month will win a Villager prize pack. So put a little effort into it, and you can win some uh, cigars and a nice little travel case. Um Otherwise, uh, final thoughts on the El Wawense Wise Man. I am down, I'd say, maybe a little bit past the halfway point. Um, it's been a nice slow smoke for me, given the fact that I've been talking so much. Um, it has a nice amount <coughs> shit. <coughs> nice amount of spice to it. Um, I, uh, oh man, that was a retro hail, and it is. Clear in the sinuses. Yes, it is a strong, strong, spicy, peppery retrohale on the El Wawense. Um It uh, it doesn't smoke quite that strongly. Um, it's good. It has some great flavor to it. You can get a little bit of pepper from the smoking experience, 
but uh, the actual, but the retro hail is what's going to kick your ass. Um, anyway, uh, I really do enjoy it. Again, like I said, I really do like Foundation cigars, and uh, I would smoke a hell of a lot more of them if they were more readily available in my area for me to procure. Um, I always try to pick them up when I'm when I'm out of town and I visit a cigar shop and they have a nice selection of them. I will always try and pick up uh, plenty of them. So um, if you haven't tried one, give it a shot. Anyway, otherwise, um, I hope this episode has been, you know, enlightening, kind of giving you a little bit of behind the scenes on, um, you know, what uh, what it's been like for um, me to uh, start the newspaper and kind of some of the challenges that, that I deal with, with the newspaper. And then, I mean, Jeff has similar ish challenges. He's got a little bit bigger of an operation. He's also got a little bit more, uh, you know, he's got some, some more interesting stories about things that he's dug into. Um, and so we'll have to beat the hell out of him about doing that one day. But, um, you know, he's got a lot more employees than I do. Uh, his overhead is higher than mine. Um, so I'm, I'm able to run a much more lean, mean, quick machine, uh, than he does. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of one of those things. I mean, um, my office, like I said, was a rental. His, you know, he, the, he and his business partner, they bought their office, the one that burned down. Um, and so, you know, there's that, uh, one of the questions Paul had is how does Jeff afford, you know, multiple office buildings, um, but seems to only have three shirts. That's a good question. And I think it's because he has too much overhead, but that's neither here nor there. And I'm sure he would argue with me if he were sitting here. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we have different, different methods of doing what we do. Um, this is just the one that I'm doing and it's the one that's working for me for right now. Um, in a perfect world, advertising would be much higher. Uh, we'd be bringing in a lot more money, and I'd be doing a lot better with it. Um, finding an ad rep has been an extraordinarily difficult thing. Um, staffing is always problematic. And so anybody anybody out there who owns a business um, and is struggling with staffing, uh, I sympathize with you greatly. Um, my staffing has been a problem since before COVID, so... You know, same same story, different day. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of other businesses, I think, have started dealing with staffing issues as a result of COVID and since COVID. And so um, it's been it's been interesting to watch that. But all in all, uh, you know, we're doing what we're doing and it's it's continuing along. Um, do I think I'm going to be real be able to retire you know, from this, I hope so. Um, I do. Uh, there are days that I'm not confident about it. Um, you know, without getting too, too depressing, um, there are definitely days that I think about this and think that, uh, you know, this has been a nice, experiment in my life that uh hopefully is beneficial down the road but um i don't know um you know you never know how it's going to end up but we'll see uh i will say i do feel spoiled uh being my own boss um i don't know 
about how I would react or deal with um, working for somebody else again. Um, the idea of being on somebody else's schedule, of somebody else's rules, somebody else's dress code, you know, things of that nature. I mean, it's um, it's not something that I'm looking forward to the prospect of. Um, I definitely do feel spoiled in that regard. So I don't know. Um, it's, uh, it's an interesting thought and not one that I really want to pursue unless I absolutely have to. But uh, for right now, things are going well, and I'm able to uh, to pay my bills and live my life and uh, provide information to people that want it. And, um, you know, every once in a while I get a renewal check in the mail that has a nice note tucked in with the envelope that, you know, thanks us for what we're doing and, and all that. And so, you know, you get those little attaboys once in a while, and it makes you feel good. So who knows? It's It's... It's the state of the world for us. But anyway, guys, enough of that. This has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. Again, I hope I didn't bore you too much, uh, but I've had this requested and I wanted to uh, to go ahead and do this. So anyway, uh, enjoy the weekend and we will talk to you soon. I'm Nick and everybody stay safe and stay smoky. guys.